Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hey there, this is the RX Chat Pharmacy Podcast. We are coming to you live. We're actually today in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, uh, broadcasting, preparing ourselves for a pharmacy conference uh, with the PDS group down here, Pharmacy Development Services. And today is an extremely special RX Chat session because we are very honored to have the participation of the American Pharmacists Association. Uh, we have the Senior Vice President of Pharmacy Practice and Government Affairs, um, Ms. Stacy Moss. How are you doing today, Stacy? Great, and happy to be joining. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys. What a, what a great um, way to uh, have you come aboard as co-host of the uh, hashtag RxChat today. We're talking about uh, provider status, and boy, that's... Um, you know, one of the one of the aspects of our industry that I've been really passionate about in supporting our pharmacy professionals, uh, the pharmacy industry, pharmacists, obviously, and um, what better guests to have on than the American Pharmacists Association to kind of spearhead the subject. So, um, before we get started, let's let's turn things over to Stacy. Just get some of your background, and um, and um, and then we'll get right into the questions. No, thanks. And thanks again um, for for allowing us to join. And um, we, too, think this is an important topic. In fact, um, we have stated that this is our number one priority um, of the seeking of provider status. So nothing is more important than, than to us than provider status and especially reaching out to pharmacists uh, directly and being able to talk about it. So um, thank you for that. My background is um, I'm actually a pharmacist. And after pharmacy school, I went straight into law school, so I'm one of those pharmacist lawyers. But um, I think the pharmacist side of me helps balance out the the lawyer side of me. But uh, I spent nine years in the state of Iowa. I worked for the Iowa legislature, uh, helping write uh, policy, healthcare policy, as well as tax policy. Then I went to the federal government and, and worked for various agencies including uh, Department of Health and Human Services as well as the White House. I worked on health care policy for helping coordinate health care policy across the agencies. And then um, I also ran the Medicaid Commission while I was at the Department of Health and Human Services and then also headed their Intergovernmental Affairs uh, Office at the Department. And therefore, I, I did everything from FDA issues to um, uh, CMS issues. So, coming, um, I've been at APHA now for a year. So this hits the sweet spot of mixing my policy background with with my pharmacy background. And I did practice for nine years part time in in a retail setting. So I'm happy to be home in the pharmacy community. So thanks for having that's, me. That's great. What a what a um, um, you know a, a champion to to come aboard um, in the American Pharmacists Association because what ends up happening is you're now echoing everything that you brought uh, to the table as this resource to the association, which ends up trickling down into the industry and the benefits that uh, we all get as as pharmacy professionals. So bravo. That's terrific. Well, and I also, I just want to add, you know, I think there's always this mix of what's government affairs and what's practice. And I think uh, provider status is actually such a mixture of practice and government affairs. In fact, 
arguably, I would say the knowledge of the practice of pharmacy and understanding how important it is is so important to this effort. So we need, um, especially with provider status and, and this kind of legislative and regulatory effort, we need pharmacists being able to talk about what they do because I think, and we'll get into some of the questions that have been coming up, but I think some of the the, the largest stumbling block to achieving provider status is people don't realize, and especially policymakers don't realize, what pharmacy are educated and, and trained to do. So, uh, it, like I said, this really comes down to the grassroots effort and, and the need to be able to activate the pharmacy community in this effort. Well, I'll let you know, with the um, co-efforts of our incredible uh, co-host who started the Rx chat with the Pharmacy Podcast, is the crew uh, with RX Wiki, and they, of course, we all know, provide a tremendous benefit to not only uh, our pharmacy professional, but obviously, um, you know, the hands, uh, the hand being held between the pharmacist and the patient, the information they deliver to the patient, which is all developed by, uh, you know, pharmacists and researchers, and um, they really help us to kind of spearhead things in this digital world that we've entered, and we've only been doing this now for about five or six weeks. And it's just exploded. So to have the American Pharmacists Association uh, come aboard today is super exciting for us. Um, we have, obviously, uh, some questions that we'd like to ask uh, you first, and then if anybody wants to call in um, to the show to uh, comment on the questions or give your opinion on the questions, you are welcome to. Your call-in number is 646-378-1452. That's 646-378-1452. And the first question regarding provider status is, which service best illustrates the value of pharmacists to the healthcare team? So I'm going to kick that over to you uh, to kind of give your opinion and, and views of that, Stacey. Well, I think um, a lot of the people participating in the, the chat have identified a lot of the services. They've mentioned medication management. Within that, you know, adherence is a, is a very strong component. Talked about disease management, disease education, prevention, wellness, and then also um, care transitions. You know, it's something as we're talking about policy and effectuating change, it's really important to be able to talk to the, uh, whether it's at the state level or the federal le uh, level. And something that those levels, uh, especially at the federal level, is really focusing on is the care transitions or the transition of care services. You know, I think pharmacists have, have been involved in that process, and, and finally people are, the policymakers are recognizing the importance. I think uh, pharmacists are useful in the hospital setting of educating patients as they're leaving the hospital. And then, of course, in the, the community setting, we do a great job. But the problem is, you know, if you've ever been in the hospital, that, that day you're leaving, they're throwing a bunch of information at you. So, um, and then you, you kind of go home and then you forget what, what you were told and then you've got your meds from before you went into the hospital and should you be taking them. So policymakers um, are recognizing the importance of making sure that transition from, from different care settings. It isn't just to the hospital setting but, uh, and to the community, but it might be within a long-term care setting to the community or vice versa, the importance of making sure that patients understand the medication aspect of it. So 
uh, a lot of the the participants in the chat today have have commented on the care transitions, and I think again of of using the buzzwords and and the the different aspects of pharmacy that policymakers are are see, seeing as important is, is is important for us to be talking about and taking advantage of, and I think too people use the word optimization. That's something that. APHA and its docu documents have, have been highlighting because it isn't just about taking medications. It's really making sure that patients understand their medications and take them ac accurately so that they get the best benefit or the optimal benefit from those medications. So, you know, um, we've, we've had a lot of internal conversations within the pharmacy community as well with other healthcare providers. You know, going back to the most important service that the pharmacists provide, I don't think we can say what is the most important, but an area clearly where pharmacists have the most expertise other than more than any other healthcare provider is in the medication area and the medication management. So, again, yes, I, I think the, the people participating know, know just as much or more than I do about what, what's important. It's interesting. Your answer um, in a piece of your answer was echoed by uh, one of our uh, RX chat participants, Professional Farm, which is at Pro Farm RX, and they said um, to the answer one, medication reconciliation, especially at the time of transition of care, is a huge area where we can make a big difference. Um, that's exactly what, what you had said, and it's interesting that we're getting um, similar answers from pharmacists, so it shows you a common uh, way of thinking in, in the care of, um, of our patients. Great. So, excellent. So, question number two is, what does the term provider status mean to you? So, that's uh, definitely right up, right up your alley, uh, Stacey. Uh, what does provider status uh, mean to you? Yeah, and I'm going to give one of those policy or those kind of media answers, which is it, it, it means everything. Um, you know, I, I don't think at least APHA has taken the stance. It doesn't mean just one thing. It doesn't mean seeking seeking recognition for pharmacists or for their, their payment of their services at the federal level. It's not only a federal level pursuit. We're looking at this as a state level pursuit, as well as individual conversations with payers. Uh, and that could include a self-insurer uh, or a, a health plan of having that conversation and having pharmacists explain the value of their, their service to, to a payer. I also think uh, it's not just a payment opportunity. There's a lot of professional satisfaction that could happen through the seeking of provider status. You know, I think the expansion of scope of practice that happened, for example, in California, but it, it, it is happening elsewhere and it's happened in other states as we expand the, the services that a pharmacist can do, that also expands opportunities. So, you know, provider status to us is recognizing the, the value of pharmacists and that's to the patient and it's to the healthcare system, whether that's through a private mechanism, the state level or, or the federal level. And you hear a lot now, and you're going to hear even more, hopefully, from the national organizations about federal-level efforts. But again, any movement and any expansion of what pharmacists can do and the pharmacists, what the services they can provide at the at the state level or with private payers, 
is evidence and value to to the federal level effort. So it's kind of a synergistic effort. It's the value we provide to, at the federal level will affect state level and private uh, payer efforts, and the efforts of the state and private payer will help the federal level efforts. Yeah, that's um, kind of echoed as well um, in in the the scope of practice and the ability of the pharmacist within the the system that they're part of, whether that being you know retail, long term care, specialty health system. Um, uh, 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 RxChat participant uh, Dr. Elaine uh, Tweet, which is at Elaine PharmD, um, answer two. She said, within Veteran Affairs, pharmacists have prescribing authority under a scope of practice. Um, so there's another extension and, and another evolution of uh, of pharmacists um, in in a specific care setting. Yeah, and, you know, there's so much variability at the state level, let alone within different systems, like the VA system of a closed system, as well as even other private um, private closed systems. There's a lot of variability, depending on state scope of practice, but, um, you know, the VA uh, is able to get around state scope of practice issues. But I think, again, that goes back to the variability of what it means, and, you know, that's why APHA takes a very expansive look of uh, what provider status means. And, again, something that we talk about as well as this is about being part of, of the patient's health care team. And although every pharmacist knows we already are, it's the fact that we we need the federal government, state government, and others to recognize the value that we provide to the patient's team. So, again, we know what we do. We just have to make sure we, we carry that, that value to other, other payers and, and, and policymakers. You've kind of already answered question number three, but nonetheless, we can, um, we can extend it so everybody following along on the RxChat Pharmacy Podcast uh, knows question three was why do you feel provider status is important? But um, I'll I will kick that back over to you, Stacy. If you have any uh, other thoughts uh, regarding that. Sure. I mean, you know, um, we can't underestimate and 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 we can't say enough of the benefit it, that provider status can have to the patient. Um, you know, again, better coordination with other providers is very important to to better coordinated care and outcomes, and and all that is great for the patient. In addition to the value to the healthcare system, coordinated care collaboration is a much better value. Uh, patient outcomes are better, and overall efficiencies to the system. So there's there's those kind of healthcare benefits, but in addition, within the profession, there's expanded job opportunities, job satisfaction, and I think you know some of the the members on the chat talked about the fact of it gives them more flexibility to hire more staff and and with with expanded opportunities, you know overall. Uh, what it, the benefits it'll have to the the profession, um, you know, it, are infinite. You know what what we are able, what what pharmacists are trained and educated to do. Not every pharmacist has the ability to to basically carry out their you know their skills to their fullest extent. So this hopefully will affect every type of pharmacist in every type of setting. It's not just for the hospital setting or it's just not the community setting. We really see this 
as an opportunity for the profession as a whole, no matter what, what setting you practice in. We had a RX chat participant at takecharge underscore RX. Uh, Take Charge RX um, for answer three said, right now we have 400 pharmacists counseling obese patients in 38 states. Provider status would help us see so many more patients, which is a, it's an interesting point, and it's very true. Yeah, and that's, that goes back to the team-based care concept. The fact that it will free up different health care providers, for example, the physician can provide different types of services while we as pharmacists provide the medication management and the disease management. It's not to say, again, that we're trying to take any of the opportunities away from other providers. It's really making the entire team and the entire system more effective. So if physicians can do certain aspects and, and be, be the front line and seeing patients and, and doing the diagnosis, and then we can take on the opportunities and the, the services that pharmacists are great on. You know, again, the, those identified throughout the chat, disease education, care transitions, um, and, of course, medication management. We uh, are now on question four, and, and the question four is, will how will provider status affect you as a practitioner, and we had uh, many different uh, answers. We had an answer from RX chat participant uh, at Central Drugs RX, and they said, um, in agreement with uh, the APHA's um, uh, input, was we can collaborate with doctors so they can focus on their specialty while we may um, provide ongoing care, and um, the importance of that. Um, and when it's not there, we see how many uh, patients fall back into their condition and sometimes it even worsens. So uh, what's your opinion of how will provider status affect you as a practitioner? Um, in a positive way, uh, I think, you know, I touched on some of this. It goes back to the expanded job opportunities, better job satisfaction. You know, something internally APHA did was it, it conducted some research of it, of pharmacists as well as to voters and, and health health policymakers. And something that we we learned from our members and from pharmacists at large is the fact that it isn't provider status isn't just about patient, it is about job satisfaction. And there is a certain amount of to the new new practitioners, the new practitioner pharmacists um, that the job security uh, concern, you know, the healthcare system is under a tremendous amount of scrutiny right now. The dollars going into the system are likely not getting bigger. So there is a, you know, a, a microscope being looked at on the system to make sure that we make it as most effective as possible. So again, we as a profession need to be able to adapt and, and change and identify the ways that we can offer improvements to the systems. That's what policymakers are looking at, and, and as well as patients. They're expecting, you know, the best quality care, and I think we as a profession need to make sure we're doing the most that we can to, um, to, to give that to patients. And I think, uh, you know, our, our profession is stepping in. I think we've become more adaptive and changing, and we're realizing, you know, that um, we have skills and can offer benefits, and, and we're, we're trying to be innovative in the, in the type of care that we provide. 
And that kind of leads us to um, question five, which once again, Stacey, your um, your your answers are so um, in depth it kind of covers this uh, question. But regardless, it's it's also uh, important for us to repeat this over and over, not only to each other in the pharmacy professional, but um, but thinking about it from the patient's perspective. And that is question five: is how will provider status affect your patients? And um, you know, going back to one of uh, the answers that came from our team on Pharmacy Podcast was the empathy factor of understanding how a drug uh, can truly affect a patient and being that we um, patients might be uh, affected and experiencing something for the very first time. And based on, you know, years and years of experience and counseling and, and uh, you know, physically holding the hand of your patient and, and being there for them, um, a pharmacist can um, can explain ahead of time, hey, this may take place or this may happen or, you know, just in, a, in a, that feeling of obviously trust in that in your pharmacist, but also helping them truly through the therapy is more than just being a medication therapist. It's that, it's that empathy, empathy factor. But uh, what do you think? How, we, how will provider status affect our patients? I think I should be interviewing you. Um, you're answering better than I. I fall into uh-huh. uh, the... Um, the advice where they say you, you people tend to talk until they make a mistake. So I'll try to be very succinct in this this answer. I, actually, I think so, um, one of the participants said it better than I'll say it, but to patients, pharmacist involvement and in being able to provide pharmacist patient care services, provide better access, improve quality, and lower costs. When pharmacists are involved, the benefit to access, quality, and decreased costs you know, is to me the the answer and is, is our selling point. Again, I go back to the fact of the achievement of provider status is is what pharmacists can bring to the table as far as value. We need to show our value. And value is just not lower costs. It's not doing things cheap, you know, cheaper. But what it is is, is providing effective, more efficient care. And that goes back to access, quality, and cost. So, we had participant um, at Beth underscore RX Wiki, part of the RX Wiki team. Um, she's been an incredible supporter of the RX chat. And to answer five, uh, she said, patients taking multiple medications need help to get the most benefit from these meds and to understand what they're taking. Um, and that kind of dovetails with um, kind of our thoughts is, you know, you, if you're there as that medication specialist and you're providing that value, I couldn't agree with you more, Stacey. It's not just about the cost, even though um, obviously that comes into play when you're talking about uh, these, you know, healthcare uh, slash PBM, you know, cost and the cost of business and just general. And But, you know, you look at, the uh, the value that is presented and why has a pharmacist been rated based on several surveys as their you know the most uh, trusted healthcare professional I think they were second to a to a nurse and um, and that's the access to a pharmacist but that's also what we're delivering as um, as as care providers and it comes down to that word you know I when they say healthcare sometimes when I'm Tweeting that word, I capitalize the C A R E, the care part. You know, don't forget about the care part. 
Yeah, no, I I I I can't agree more. Um, you know, it really does come come down to the 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 patient and what we can provide for the patient. And unfortunately, the way the federal government and generally states look at at value often tends to be cost. And generally, those costs are in a short-term cost. And everyone knows the the better care, the increasing quality, the benefit tends to happen much farther down the road, and and you need to look at the long term care costs. And so, and I'm, I think this is going to dovetail into the last question, but so I'll just touch on it. It's just you know of being able to look at long term care costs and prove our value. Um, you know, in the short term is is a pretty big hurdle. And so that's where we can get into the quality and the access. Those are much more immediate benefits that that policymakers and patients can see. The long-term aspects are, are harder for people to, you know, see immediately, obviously. So, um, again, kind of a thinking of how we get over future barriers. It's, it's identifying those those immediate tangible benefits and then also selling those longer-term benefits. Excellent. That's an excellent answer. Um, our uh, last question was, what is the most significant barrier to achieving provider status for pharmacists? And what a perfect question, Stacey, because you see it from a policy side too, which ultimately is kind of what's uh, what's keeping um, us and pharmacists in general, pharmacy profession, uh, from achieving provider status at a federal level. I know that the state of uh, California has reached that, and bravo to um, to California. Um, but what do you think? What is the most significant barrier to achieving provider status for pharmacists? Well, I don't want to rank them in order of the most, but I'll, I'll discuss, you know, some of the barriers. I mean, obviously, there's the legislative and the regulatory barriers, you know, from, um, and I'm kind of a policy person, so I'll, I'll just touch on some of the, the differences and, and the nuances. You know, the legislative barriers, there's the federal legislative barriers. That's primarily on the federal level, it's Medicare. Medicare is the, you know, the elephant in the room as far as health care costs. So other other federal systems, VA and and Department of Defense, they tend to look at some of the Medicare um, policy as they establish some policies, as well as private insurers do as well. So right now, again, the federal level efforts um, have tended to look at Part B in Medicare, which is you know the outpatient section of of Medicare. Um, so. That, you know that tends to be a significant barrier because pharmacists are not listed as a healthcare provider in Part B of Medicare, um, which means they can't get uh, they're they're not able to get Medicare dollars directly. Now we, we could get in the woods or uh, they're in the weeds of Incident Two and under a physician and there's abilities. I don't want to act like pharmacists can never uh, get paid through Medicare, but the fact is they are not recognized and listed as a provider in Medicare. So there's not only the payment issue, but there's also that recognition um, uh, issue. And on the state level, some states recognize pharmacists as, provi as providers in Medicaid statute. Some do in their own um, state employee um, health insurance programs, as well as in insurance codes. There's lots of different areas that states control uh, health care providers and 
you know, it's all over the map, and, and NASPA, the, the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations, has does a good job of tracking those differences and has a map as, as to the differences of, of recognition of pharmacists at the state level. So those are some of the, like, the recognition. But in addition, the state sometimes recognizes pharmacists as providers but doesn't link payment to that. And that could be true on the federal level, too. We could be just added as a provider in Medicare, but there also has to be um, a recognition of billing. And then, um, you know, additionally, with private payers, there's the fact that some private payers do pay for certain pharmacist services. Um, but not all do, as well as there's, you know, other other restrictions within um, private payers as far as pharmacist services. So those are some of the, the legislative slash regulatory, um, you know, barriers. There's also the fact of it going back to the education or knowledge and recognition that of policymakers or patients of, as to what pharmacists can do. There's some of that that pharmacists need to take ownership and make sure that people understand the capabilities, our capabilities, our education, our training, our licensure. So some of the, the barriers are affected by the fact that people do not recognize or, or know what pharmacists can do. So I, I know we don't have much time left, but those are at least no, the excellent, excellent answer. We had uh, Dr. Eric Ho. Um, who's with uh, the RX Wiki team? Um, he said many outside stakeholders are listening and supportive, but voice remains divided. And as a follow-up to that, he also said, um, you know, we need better consensus among pharmacists as to what provider status actually means. And let's uh, end on that, Mark, because as you said, Stacey, we are uh, running out of time. However, we were so excited and privileged and honored to have you guys come aboard the RX chat and talk with us about provider status and the importance of getting federal level provider status. And um, we would love to have the American Pharmacists Association come back on another show with another topic. And we're going to reach out to you guys uh, definitely. But just wanted to thank you, Stacey, for being here today. No, thank you. And we need you all. So please get involved and um, please visit our website because we'll have more information and, and lots of information on provider status. So thank you again. Thank you. Bye.